0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth-focused e-commerce brands drive more sales with super-targeted, highly-relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. and my guest today is Guy Kawasaki. He's the chief evangelist of Canva, a great online design service, an executive fellow of the Haas School of Business at the University of Cal Berkeley. And he has the distinction of being on my show for about the sixth time, probably. I think we talked about this last time you were on my show. I think I'm the only person, only podcaster to interview you for both versions of Art of the Start.
1: (laughs) Uh, and that and a nickel will buy you, well, not even, <laughs> not even a cup of coffee, but yeah. Huh.
0: So uh, we're going to talk about a number of things today. It's been long, been far too long. Uh, guy's most recent book is called Wise Guy, Lessons from Life. So we're going to touch on that. But I always like to get a little update on Canva. So why don't we start there? As an evangelist, this is your only job, right, <laughs> is to talk about it?
1: Well, I'm, I also have four children, but... Who's counting? Um, <laughs> so, so I'm the chief evangelist of Canva, and for those of you who may not have heard of Canva, uh, it is an online graphics design service based out of Sydney, Australia. And the essence of Canva is that it has democratized designs that basically anyone can create beautiful designs for social media, posters, business cards, presentations, T-shirts, you know, whatever you want. And uh, I'll just tell you that. Uh, in the month of October, Canva made a hundred and thirty-nine million images. So we make about four or five
0: million images per day at Canva for people all around the world. So, so there are, you know, there are dozens of folks that have tried to crack that nut. Why do you suppose Canva was so successful? I mean, there are other online design tools that are that have been around a long time that haven't been that successful.
1: Well, I think that um, one of the key decisions was that we decided that, you know, we're going to make every conceivable design type and within a design type, hundreds of templates. So what I mean by those two words is that a a design type is a square Instagram image, right? A design type is a 16 by 9 presentation. A design type is a, a Kindle book cover. So when you come to Canva, you say, all right, so I want to create a a Pinterest pin. I want to create the Etsy store. I want to create the eBay store cover photo. I want to create the cover photo for my LinkedIn account. And all of those, we have the optimal dimensions already figured out. And within those design types, we have hundreds of templates. So you find a template that you like. You upload your own photo or you use one of our stock photos. You change the text. And I promise you, in the time it takes to boot Photoshop, you could finish a design in Canvas.
0: <laughs> so, w- will they? I totally agree with you. I mean, the the ease of just saying, um, you know, for example, if you're working with uh, a small business client like we do, and they are on six different platforms, and you need a header image for each, and a you know a, a, you know the the all, all the things, every single one of them is a little different size, you know. And so it's just so convenient to just go boom, 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 boom. So I, I know that's a lot of well, I, I mean, John, I don't know if you realize this, but even more convenient than going boom,
1: boom, 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 we have a feature called Magic Resize. And what Magic Resize says is, okay, so, you know, you, you did the basic design for one. Now we will resize this for all the other five platforms.
0: Oh, but I, I don't, I don't know about that because that's the ten dollars a month one, right? I'm not going to pay ten dollars. Oh, month John, for you're killing me, great. John, bro.
1: <laughs> 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 your, bo- your books are free, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that that's awesome. So, what, what are they going to stay true? Do you think, or will there be a temptation to say, let's get into audio and video, you know, editing and all those kinds of things?
1: Well, certainly video because we already do that. Uh, Going to sixteen by nine presentations, you know, we're trying to make it so that mere mortals can have beautiful PowerPoint like uh you know presentations. Uh I don't know. We, we would like it so that every graphic in the world is produced by Canva. We're not, you know, we're we're not uh we're not shrinking violets at
0: Canva. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh you just told me I'm gonna I'm gonna pony up to ten bucks a month. <laughs>
1: Okay, we can end this now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, you, this is what your fourteenth, fifteenth book, wise guy.
1: Yeah, wise guy is number fifteen. Number I think f- it will be my. I truly do think it'll be my last. Also,
0: yeah. Is that because you're out of things to say, or because you're tired?
1: Well, shit, I was out of things to say on my third book. So, um, I, I, well, it's partially retired, but uh, yeah, switching to the next topic. I, I am now convinced that podcasting is the new book writing because, well, the advantage of podcasting is, well, you know, you, you can be in front of your audience a minimum of 52 times a year. Uh, you, can, you can change on a dime. So, you know, next week, if, if, if you know, John Ives says, I want to be in your show, you can put them on, right? Whereas in your book. It takes a year to write a book. It takes six to nine months to publish it. So let's, you know, let's say two years and then it's done. It's laid in concrete and you're never going to touch it again unless you fix typos. And, you know, so you get that initial burst of, I don't know, maybe for you, you know, 5 million people buy your first version. But then some people, some people read it, but it's never picked up again. Whereas a podcast,
0: man, you're in their face every week. That's so much better. Except for What the Plus. I mean, that one lives on forever.
1: (laughs) Well, What the Plus may have lasted longer than the service, but I
0: digress. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I completely agree with you on the part. I mean, there's so many. You you mentioned an obvious benefit, but I mean – the first time you and I met was through this format. And, and, you know, I, I'd like to at least call you, you know, a little bit of a friend. Uh, You know, you've been a supportive of my career over the years. And I think, you know, this is where the introduction happened the first time. And, you know, I've done that with people.
1: But see, I'm an idiot because it took me, I'm just a late bloomer. You know, I took up hockey at 44. I took up surfing at 61. I took up podcasting at 65, you know, that's just, I don't know why people listen to my advice. I clearly don't know what the hell I'm doing.
0: I don't even have to ask you questions because you're just going along my my proposed questions here. But I was going to ask you that: what did what was there resistance, or was it just literally a matter of I just didn't get around to it?
1: Well, oh, to podcasting. Okay, so you know, there's the there's the the high road answer, and there's the low road answer. Which answer do you want? I want them,
0: I, I want them both, and we'll balance them out.
1: Okay, so the high road is. You know, I'm at the end of my career. I've made a lot of connections. Uh, I have made a lot of friends. I can tap into that so that I can interview a, a Jane Goodall, a Margaret Atwood, a Steve Wozniak, uh, uh, Steve Wolfram, you know, Bob Cialdini. I can get to these people because of I've, I've been dealing with them for years and years. So I have this tremendous competitive advantage to interview people that many people could not get unless you're Terry Gross or, you know, maybe Malcolm Gladwell. So I I feel like, you know, and now I have a much better filter system because I'm so much older that I, you know, theoretically have acquired some wisdom so I can ask them the right questions. So, you know, my time has come to do a podcast featuring remarkable people. That's the high answer.
0: You want to hear the low answer? Well, well so, so, let me let me let you think about the low answer for a minute. So, it is your podcast is called Guy Kawasaki's Remarkable People, and that's ultimately what you're doing. So, the chances of me actually being a guest are pretty minimal. Aren't they?
1: <laughs> well, I I have a test that <laughs> if somebody asks to be on the podcast, they're not remarkable
0: <laughs> enough. Yeah, fair fair test. So so let's have the low answer then.
1: So the low answer is. When I came out with Wise Guy, I was a guest on many podcasts, okay? So I I got to talking to somebody's podcaster. I say, so, you know, how often do you do this? Oh, uh, one guy said 52 times a year. Another guy said 156 times a year. And I said, so, so, you know, what's your model? Well, it's advertising and sponsorship. I say, okay, so where does the advertising go? He says, well, there's one or two ads in the pre-roll. There's one or two ads in the middle, and there's one or two ads at the end. And I said, "Well, how many people listen to these things? Ah, a Quarter million. How much do you get per ad? Well, the front—the ones in the front get twenty grand. The ones in the middle get fifteen grand, and the ones at the end get ten grand. So I'm sitting there doing the math. So let's say there's six of them, and they're doing like you know fifteen thousand bucks each on average. And I say, so six times fifteen is ninety. Ninety times fifty-two is freaking four and a half million bucks. That's you know." 10 times bigger than any advance for a book I ever got. What, what the hell am I writing books for? <laughs> and simultaneously at 65, I just don't want to travel anymore. Yeah. I would just like surf. Yeah. And so I said, okay, so maybe I can make my podcast successful. Basically, podcasts and surf. I don't know if I'll make $4.5 million a year, but you know, if I come, well, I, I don't even need to come close to that to be happy. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, maybe this is my path to retirement and a better life and more surfing. So that's the low answer. I did
0: it for the money. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go. Great reporting. You want to learn a, bit, a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called Klaviyo's Beyond Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to klaviyo.com, Beyond BF, Beyond Black Friday. So – We're recording this in December of 2019, depending upon when people are listening to this. You've launched the show already. Your first guest, or at least the first show I was able to see, was Jane Goodall. Um, uh, A lot of people know her work for years with the apes um, in Africa. Um, What's the basis of your relationship with her and that interview?
1: Okay. So uh, about a little more than a year ago, the person who runs the TEDx in Palo Alto out of the blue, asked me if I want to interview Jane Goodall for her at TEDx. And that's like, well, duh, of course I want to interview Jane Goodall at TEDx. So it actually cost me a lot of money because I turned down a speech. I could have got paid speech for the same time. I said, no, you know, you can. I can always get another paid speech, but how often can you interview Jane Goodall? So I interviewed Jane Goodall for TEDx, which is on YouTube if people want to see it. And I really became friends with her. I don't, you know, sometimes you just hit it off with a person, right? And so we've been communicating, and you know, stuff like that. And I communicate with her staff, and Pig Fitzpatrick, and I. We always help Jane Goodall when she wants to raise money or, you know, make something go out on social media. And then I decided to do this podcast, and I said, "Well, you know, I, I need a spectacular, remarkable person as the first guest." who could be, you know, you weren't available. So who could be better than Jane Goodall? And so as she, she was going to be in San Francisco, I recorded her and uh, yeah, I mean, life is good. It's good to be Guy Kawasaki sometimes.
0: Well, and I I know that you have a good relationship because I've seen pictures of her grooming you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's uh, looking for lice in my head. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Which uh, I, I think was reminiscent of her uh, work in the jungle, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So who else is up for the show? Who, who else do you plan to talk to uh, in the upcoming weeks? Yeah,
1: so Jane Goodall is out. So is Phil Zimbardo. Phil Zimbardo is the Stanford psychology professor who did the uh, Stanford prison experiment where kids and kids simulated being guards and prisoners. Next week is Stephen Wolfram. He is the creator of Mathematica and Wolfram Alpha, the, uh, the search engine. Uh, got a PhD at 20, MacArthur Award at 21. Uh, the next week after that is Margaret Atwood, the author of Handmaid's Tale. And then, believe it or not, we have Wee Man, Wee Man from Jackass, the MTV series and movie. And then I have Bob Cialdini, who I'm sure you're heard of because, you know, you're into sales and marketing like I am. So I have Bob Cialdini.
0: He's been on this show. Yep.
1: Yeah, he's great. So basically, that's the kind of people I have. I mean, they, you know, they they test the remark. They, t- they pass the remarkable test.
0: Yeah. So. What do you have to learn to do this? This is a different format. This is different technology. This is maybe a different skill. What Do you feel like uh, what's it going to take to to get Guy Kawasaki to the remarkable podcast host?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I've done a lot of panel moderation and stuff and and fireside chats where I've been on both sides. So it's not like, you know, it's not like. To use a Jane Goodall analogy, it's not like I was Tarzan and I got off a ship from Africa and now I'm in London and I have to figure everything out. So, um, I, I've I've been to this rodeo, maybe wearing a different hat, but I've been to this rodeo. And uh, have you listened to the Jane Goodall one?
0: I, I listened to about half of it. Yeah, in, in okay. preparation. For- so you
1: can see you, you can see that well. One is, to tell you the truth, I believe that the role of the podcaster is to make the guests look great. And I also believe that, you know, if you look at the minutes spent, who's talking, it should be about 90-10, where 90 is Jane and 10 is Guy. And, And so that's something. And a lot of people have said, you know, I really like your podcast, Guy, because you let Jane talk. I think a lot of podcasters, it's all about them. Right, they're just talking and talking and talking, and then you know finally the guest gets to say something, and then the podcaster gets back on a riff. So that's not what I don't step on my guests, and uh, you know now I just I don't I don't honestly I don't know how to get subscribers or advertisers, but I figure you know if I get all these guests and I produce a great podcast, I'm a big believer in if you if you build it, they will come. So.
0: Well, I think that's a lot of it, and and you're also doing the the networking. You contacted me to tell me about it, and you contacted a lot of people to tell them. But I mean, that's you know, that's that's kind of marketing one-on-one, right? Well, not,
1: nothing is easy, right? I mean, well, I, you know, if you're Michelle Obama and you started a Michelle Obama Remarkable People podcast, I'm pretty sure you'll get you know five million subscribers in the first day. But I'm not Michelle Obama. Do you listen to podcasts?
0: Yes. Yeah. What, what are some of your what are some of your favorites?
1: Uh, I listen to Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History, who I'm trying to get as a guest. I listen to uh, Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. I listen to uh, Freakonomics. I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen to Terry Gross. I'm a big NPR fan, basically.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You can hear a lot of those shows you know, have moved to the podcast format, but obviously there's still, uh, still broadcast as well. Where do you think this is going? Uh, the audio. And again, i maybe that, maybe you're not in the position right now where you want to, you know, future cast trends and things, because you're just trying to figure it out uh, to make it work for you. But it seems to me like audio content right now, I mean, podcasts have been around a while, but it seems to me like audio content is really hot and it's going to get hotter.
1: Yes. I, I, uh, I think that, um, uh, podcasting is kind of like artificial intelligence. So, you know, artificial intelligence for the last 30 years was going to be the next big thing. Right. <laughs> and finally it is. So I, I think we may be there with podcasting. Um, it, a lot of it is uh, it's critical mass. I mean, in a sense, you know, Apple has created a critical mass for podcasting Uh in, a, it's, in the same sense, I think one of the things I've noticed is QR codes, which was supposed to be a big thing. Apple finally made it a real big thing because now when you just put your camera on a QR code, you don't have to download a QR reader, right? So all of a sudden, yeah, QR codes make sense. And I think Apple did the same thing with podcasts. That now that you know they've done so much and they put a podcast player on every iOS device. Uh, Apple has created another market.
0: Yeah, and 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 you know I've been doing this before. That was the case, and that was one of the initial challenges with podcasting. It was hard to get. It was hard to show people how to listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do you think Spotify fits into this? It seems to me like Spotify is um, is really gaining some traction in the podcast space. Uh, do they? Take on uh, Apple, or is it just broaden the universe for everyone? Hell, if I know,
1: (laughs) I mean, based on two episodes, I don't consider myself an expert. But you know, uh, Spotify has taken a different position. In a sense, they're like Netflix, right? So Netflix just doesn't share stuff anymore. Netflix has its own series, right? So, uh, so similarly, Amazon Prime. You know, I watch Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. That Amazon Prime owns Jack Ryan, right? And so Spotify is trying to create content, not just distribute content. And so they're supposed to make be making this huge investment in podcasting. And uh, you know, I guess we'll look back and say, "Wow, that was a genius move," or we'll look back and say, "Well, what a dumbass move." And I don't know. I mean, at, you know, Apple. If Apple said we're gonna we're gonna be a content creator well they they do that right they created that morning show for apple TV and all that so um I guess
0: we'll see I don't know I, I think that's a direction a lot of people are going to head and it wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if um you know just like you are playing the evangelist role for canva um i'm I'm wondering when people start when when companies like that start bringing in somebody like you to be their podcaster you know, or to be their spokesperson as a podcaster.
1: Well, I, you know, funny you should mention that because I'm chief evangelist of Canva. And I told Canva, I told, you know, the other people at Canvas, like, so right now you have your Canva social media, you know, the Instagram, Facebook, all that, but, and you have your email list, but there's a, there's a limit to how many times you can send an email to someone in your registered user database and, and that limit is not 52 times a year. <laughs> so I I I am making the case that you know if we could get my subscriber subscriber base to up to a million or so, that is a freaking tremendous weapon. So if you have a if Guy Kawasaki's remarkable people has a million subscribers and Guy Kawasaki's chief evangelist of Canva, so at an extreme, the The pre-roll, the midway, and the end ads could all be for Canva. So imagine 52 times a year you can hit a million people with an ad three times. Oh, my God. I mean, life is (laughs) good.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think that's going to be a role that that I think you start seeing is that whether they're media companies or just companies seeing it as another channel, um, I think are going to start buying up, People's reach, you know, with the podcast.
1: Yeah, because I mean, f- for the very simple reason that you can hit people much more often with a podcast than you can with an email Mailchimp campaign. Uh, Accenture did a five or six uh, podcast series of Will I Am, right? And you know, you couldn't you couldn't hit your Accenture database six times or probably maybe 18 times because there are you know multiple ads inside the six episodes. There's no way you could hit your, your uh, install base with 18 email campaigns. Well, first of all, there's not 18 interesting email campaigns you could do. So,
0: yeah. And I think that that's the key point too, is it's far more engaging content than an email ever will be.
1: Well, I mean, you know, in a sense, you know, how, how does NPR raise money? I mean, you know, you don't enjoy the pledge drive, right? So you feel a a moral obligation to reciprocate. And and similarly with Wikipedia, you don't like to see that ugly banner where Jimmy Wales is asking you for money, but because Wikipedia provides such great information and content, you feel a moral obligation to donate. So you could make the case that if Guy Kawasaki's Remarkable People has all this great wisdom and advice and inspiration, and then it's, you know... It's sponsored by Canva. You might feel, oh, geez, I should, you know, help guy out and use Canva. <laughs> That's the theory, yeah, yeah. anyway.
0: No, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good theory. Well, guy, we've exhausted our time. It was great catching Thank up you. with you again, and I, I wish you luck in uh, this new venture. And I will not ask to be on the show. I will just, I will just wait by my email for the invitation <laughs> if, if it should come.
1: Well, uh, I hope uh, someday to send you that email all right well uh let's hope that you have four files
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're recording with some new new technology here that uh that i think is going to just be awesome so if you
1: don't have four files it's my fault for convincing you to do this and i will appear again
0: that's right all right well i get to say to you uh, uh mahalo then
1: take care